Amen, amen. At every campus, you can go ahead and take a seat if you are still standing. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Um, it is genuinely, I love getting to see everyone at church this morning. Happy summertime to all the students who just got freed into the beautiful blessings of summer. Enjoy it now, because one day you will grow up and you got to work over the summer. That's just is what it is. Some rising sixth graders, that may be the most important thing that you hear today. <laughs> well, um, if you're new to our church or watching online, my name is Meredith Knox and I get the unbelievable honor to be one of our teaching pastors here at New Spring. I am just one of, of many, y'all, we are seriously like just spoiled rotten with the, the just plethora of teachers that we have. And I'm just so humbled that I would get to um, bring God's word to us. And as you just heard, we've already heard a word today. I'm telling you, the word of God read aloud is good enough to preach for itself. So we just got a whole message from Ephesians 6. Matter of fact, everyone who read that word over your campus, can we just thank them through round of applause? Thank you guys. I'm telling y'all, the word of God read aloud, good enough to preach for itself. But I also believe um, from that passage that this is the whole foundation of our series. We're borrowing the stand firm language from Ephesians 6 to equip us in the spiritual warfare that we're in. And like I said, we just got a whole word, but I'm telling you, I truly believe New Spring Church right here today at the 1115 service, that there is a word from God that he has for us today that is on time, that is urgent. And even what I'm about to read over us straight here from the top, go ahead and open your app, take out your notes, whatever you need. This is, I brought this word to our teaching team, to our leaders and asked them to test it before I brought it. But I'm telling you, this is a proclamation from God over us today as we even get started. So look at the screen and let me read this over us. I believe this is from God himself, he says. Open your eyes and see, New Spring Church, the ancient ways of spiritual warfare still work. You trusted me once, will you not trust me again? I just want everybody to look at that for a second. Open your eyes and see, the ancient ways of spiritual, spiritual warfare still work. What does that mean? It means that church, the time is now for the church to rise up again and to take the ancient ways and wield them and wear them like they actually hold eternal power. I'm talking about reading our Bible, praying, praying like it actually does something. I'm talking about singing and worshiping. I'm talking about community. I'm talking about humility. I'm talking about communion that we're gonna take together as a church at the very end of this service, believing it is not just an act of remembrance, but it's actually an act of warfare. We remember what Christ has done right in the face of the enemy. And I'm telling y'all church, the time is now for us to cling to these things again and act like they actually work. Y'all like, dang, she's coming hard out the gate. Yes, I am. Because the time has come for the church to stop playing games with the, with the eternal things of God. We act like darkness is just gonna leave at a polite invitation. No, it must be forced out and it's the things of God that will equip us to do it. So the time is now. The ancient ways of warfare still work. I'm telling you, there's a group of women in Northeast Columbia, y'all don't even know what they have prayed into this church. 
There's a group of men in Hilton Head who have a group together. And I'm telling you, they're they're contending for the things of God. So we're walking through this series, not just for something, oh, we thought Ephesians 6 would be like a, a nice thing to do over the summer. We're doing it because these are the people. This is like the, the locker room of New Spring Church who I'm telling you, we have to pick this up and then go teach other people how to do it. Not one person from Sage can hold the weight of teaching and equipping the saints and making disciples. That is our job. And we need the word. We need prayer. We need community. We need humility. We need to pick these things up because they are for all of us. Are y'all with me? This is the tone I'm coming in today because it's that urgent. The time is now. Awake, O sleeper, from your slumber. Pick up the things of God and chase the enemy out of your community. It is us and it is now. The ancient ways still work. Some of y'all, this is my first time at New Spring. Welcome. I also love to have a good time. Joy is another weapon, by the way. Some of y'all, you haven't wielded that in a long time. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's an ancient way. You know what the enemy can't do? Laugh. Because what's he got to be happy about? But me and you? Ha, ha, ha. So we're gonna, with that mindset, I'm gonna read the scripture. I'm gonna teach these two pieces of armor and we're gonna go out equipped, ready to wreak havoc on the enemy, okay? So with that in mind, let's read Ephesians 6, 14 together. Some of you sixth graders are like, mom, I wanna go back to shockwave. Nope. (laughs) You're here. Welcome to the family. Hey, some of you middle schoolers, you have power you don't even know about. You're gonna be a light and a beacon in your school You feel like the smallest and the weakest one in your class. Guess what? God chooses the weak to raise up and prove his strength. You have more than enough, middle schooler. So with that in mind, let's read Ephesians 6, 14 together. I got to actually get into the message. All right. Ephesians 6, 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, those first two words, stand therefore, was pretty much Brad's whole message from last week to stand firm. What that means, I would invite you, if you missed it, to go back and watch it. But I'm going to teach specifically on those, la- on those two pieces of armor because that's what we're doing the rest of the series is teaching through these pieces of armor, things that God has given us ancient ways, not antiquated, ancient ways that enable us to stand firm. And with that, listen, we're a church who wants to see everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with Jesus. These pieces of armor, these ancient ways, we got to practice them every day. And I know sometimes it can be hard to like know how to take the message and take it into your week. I understand that. So what I want to do, even as a means of teaching this message, is we have a few places throughout the message where we're going to pause and we're going to practice putting on this armor together. So that way we can all go into our week. We've already practiced together. Then we can go into our week having practiced and knowing how to put it on. Make sense? So I'm going to teach. Then we're going to pause and practice. Teach, pause and practice. Teach, pause and practice. Make sense? Let's get it. All right. Let's get dressed. Number one, we got to fasten on the belt of truth. Fasten on the belt of truth. Quick show of hands. Um, Who puts on their belt first in the morning? If you do, you do you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what your fits are like. I don't know. Fashion is fashion, baby. You do you. But normally, that's not how we get dressed. We don't put on our belt 
first. People like me, I don't like to put on a belt in general. It just feels too restricting. And candidly, at 30 years old, the older I get, the looser I want my jeans around the middle and the higher I want them, okay? Some of y'all are the low rise or back. Stop that in the name of Jesus. That is an act of spiritual warfare that died in the early 2000s for a reason. The higher the waist, the closer to God, okay? But we don't normally put on our belt first. But, so what is Paul getting at here? So give me, let me give you some context. Paul, at this time, he's actually in prison. You just heard this read over you in verse 20. He says, I'm an ambassador in chains. He had been put in prison by the Romans because he was causing a bit of a disturbance, spreading the gospel, as most people who take the gospel seriously do. And so they put him in prison. And so most people think that not only was he in prison, but he was actually physically chained to a Roman soldier. And so think of how familiar he would have been with the Roman uniform. So Paul knew, and this is just a side note, think of this, what the enemy intended for evil, God used for good. The enemy thought if I imprison him, the gospel will stop, but Paul actually seized the opportunity and then used it as a means to equip us with a spiritual type of armor when the enemy thought he was restricting the gospel, God was actually teaching a new way to present the gospel. That's awesome. So what Paul knew was that the belt that he was talking about was not like a belt that you pick up at TJ Maxx, right? My fashionistas, where you at? Hey, yeah, we love a clearance rack. But it was more of a belt that you use to like lift weights in. Any weightlifters in the house? Look at all of my hair stuck to this. Any weightlifters in the house? Come on, lift those giant arms. Yes, in Jesus' name, sculpted. Um, I need to be more like you. Am I even wearing this right? Where's this go? I don't lift heavy weights because the last time I did, I threw my back out. Hello, 34. But they, you put this on, why? To give you more strength at your core so that you are able to lift more weight than you would be able to do on your own. It was the same way for the Roman soldiers. They would actually put their belt on first that looked like this, that would support them at their core because their armor was about 70 pounds. And if they didn't have more weight at their core, they would be so worn out by the time they got to the battle, they would not even be able equipped to fight. So they put their belt on first to tighten their core for stability so that they would be able to stand and fight. Church, when it comes to our spiritual battle, we have to know that we have to start with the truth. To strengthen ourselves at our core to be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy and the darkness of this modern world. Because listen, I know these are weighty times. I feel it with you, man. And anybody else just tired? You know what I'm saying? That's like just seems to be the mantra of the day. We're just exhausted. And so we all start to reach for things to give us stability, to re-energize us, to strengthen us. And I'm telling you, if we are not careful, the enemy will get us to reach for anything else other than the belt of truth first. Come on, the, the enemy may be creative, excuse me, he may be crafty, but he is not creative. He's been running the same place since the beginning. Back in Genesis, against Adam and Eve in the garden, He just poses a question, hey, did God really say? And if Eve's response doesn't teach us anything, it's that we have to go back to the source of truth first. We do not engage with the voice of deception, no matter how persuasive or polite it may seem. Priscilla Shire puts it this way. Auntie Priscilla is what I like to call her. If you know and love Tony Evans, this is his daughter. 
She is an amazing teacher. She says this, the overarching principle in all of Satan's attacks toward us is deception. He's trying to twist, to deceive. So be aware as you go to reach for things, to create stability in these shifting times, to not reach for something that the enemy is trying to dress up like it'll give you stability. By that, what I mean is the belt of financial security will not be able to give you the stability that you need. The belt of relationship status will not be able to give you the the strength and stability that you need. The belt of politics or political platform or going on rants on Instagram will not be able to give you the stability that you need. And listen, I get it. If you're, you're wrestling, what do I do with my sex and sexuality? I'm telling you, reach for the belt of truth. Only it will give you the strength and stability that you need. Reach for the belt of truth. We have to start here. Many of us may be familiar with Romans 12 too. It says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, I love what the message translation says. It says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Deception. We gotta reach for the belt of truth. This is a word for somebody today. Without the belt of truth, the weight of the world will cause us to bend our knee to the altar of culture. Strength at our core. Pick up your Bibles and know you are more than able to understand and apply this. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit as a helper. The thing he wants you to think is, I could never understand the Bible like him or her. Shut his mouth, pick up the Bible, and show him this is not about perfection, it's about relationship. Pick it up. Strengthen your core. Provide strength and stability. But practically, how do we fasten it? How you put it on? You're like, I'm with you. You know, put on the belt, but how do we fasten it? Well, to fasten on, which honestly, this is getting a little tight. To put it, put it on, to fasten on is actually a pretty weak translation. Um, a better translation would actually be to gird up one's loins with truth. Y'all familiar with this phrase? Most of the time it's like, you're about to go have a conversation with that guy or girl and you're like, you better gird up your loins, you know what I mean? You're about to go to a hard, some of y'all laugh too hard at that. You're about to go to a really hard workout, gird up your loins. A long road trip with somebody who doesn't know how to be quiet. That one was just for me. Gird up your loins. To gird up one's loins actually meant to provide freedom of movement. Our modern colloquialism with it doesn't really get at the point, but back then, gird up the loins meant to provide freedom of, of movement. What does that mean? Back then, not only did the Roman soldiers wear a belt under their clothes, every man of the day wore a belt under their clothes. It's hot out there, it's human, much like it is uh, in the South, especially Columbia. God bless you with a spirit of perseverance. But... Um, it's hot and it's arid and it's the desert, so they would wear these long tunics. And ladies can attest to the fact, most of the time when you wear a long dress, it doesn't really provide for that much freedom of movement. So what they would do is wear belts under their tunics so that, that when the time came that they needed to go into action, they would take their tunic and they would gird it in the belt. Does this make sense? They would take up their tunic and they would gird it in the belt so that way they would be able to move, to work freely, even to run. 
the restriction actually release them to move freely. Follow me here. There's a narrative in the world right now that says the word of God is controlling, it is restricting, it is limiting, and that is not what freedom looks like. But what Paul is showing us by this belt is that it is the only by restricting ourselves to the word of God that we will have any freedom of movement to actually fight the enemy. So not if, but when the temptation comes, when the discouragement comes, when the exhaustion comes, when news breaks again and the enemy's trying to convince us that he's winning, you take every one of those circumstances and you take it to the belt of truth. Did God really say that he's the only way to life? Take it to the belt. Did God really say that I can have peace in a world that looks like this? Pick it up, take it to the belt. Maybe some of you are feeling, God, I'm just lonely. And I feel like God's forgotten me. You pick up that lie and you take it to the belt. Did God really say I got to tithe 10% of my gross income? Pick it up, take it to the belt and see. Did God really say I have to live a generous life looking out for the orphan and the widow and the woman considering abortion, but all she's looking for is someone to foster or adopt her child? Pick it up, take it to the belt. Did God, do we really have to bring up the evil of racism again? I don't know, pick it up, take it to the belt. And I'm not just preaching this. This is like what I bet my peace of mind and my very life this week being very honest in front of you, I just, y'all, ministry gets hard sometimes. And I was discouraged and the enemy was all in my ear like, does anything you do even matter? You gave your life to Fuse for 12 years and did it do anything but give you gray hair that you have to cover up with blonde from a bottle? So I picked up that lie and I took it back to God's word and he met me at the belt with this truth, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord's your, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Boom, I'm able to stand again and look at the enemy and be like, you have nothing against the word of God. And I have to say this, y'all, reading is not girding. Hearing a sermon is not girding. Listening to a podcast in your week is not girding. Applying truth and walking in obedience to God's truth is taking it to the belt. And no one can fasten your belt for you. Pick up your Bible, take it to the belt over and over and over again. Amen? I'm gonna take this belt off because I cannot breathe. So here's where I said we're gonna pause and practice together. Because I know like that's all well and good, but how do we actually put on the belt? Well, let's, I'm going to put this up on the screen, and we're just going to pause and practice together. I'm going to read this over us, and then there's a few prompts, and then I'm going to give us a few seconds to pause and practice. You can take a photo of this. You can use this in your week. Use this in your prayer time. I'm telling you, this is a means of equipping us to go and do this. So let's read it together. Father, I believe that it is your truth that sets me free. I need strength in my inner being, and I know that you are the source. Would you teach me the ways of pure truth? Would you cleanse my mind of all deception and renew it with your word? Would you create a deep love in my heart for the commands of Christ that I may echo the words of the psalmist, they are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. And now, Holy Spirit, please reveal any lies that I am believing. 
as you do? Would you give me specific verses that I may gird myself with truth to be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy? So we're gonna leave this up here and I'm gonna give you two things. The first thing that I want us to do in this 30 seconds, that prompt right there, Holy Spirit, please reveal any lies that I'm believing. As he reveals, just write it down. Then later this week, maybe even tonight, do that second part. Ask the Holy Spirit to then teach you verses to combat that lie. Does that make sense? So let's take 30 seconds, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, would you just reveal any lies I'm believing right now in Jesus' name? Father, we thank you that your word is truth. And we thank you for the stability and the freedom that only your word can supply to us. Help us to fall in love with it all over again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, that's just number one on the belt. We gotta move on to number two, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, um, in a literal armor sense, the breastplate covered the most vital organs of a soldier, specifically the heart. Because it don't matter how good of a fighter you are, one straight arrow to the heart, that's it. And in a spiritual warfare sense, the breastplate of righteousness does the same thing for us. It guards primarily our heart. The most vital, I would say like, our vital connection between us and God and an ability to stay aware of the schemes of the enemy. And so actually, as a matter of fact, would everybody just go ahead and put your hand over your heart? Take a deep breath. Remind yourself you're alive. And as you do that, I wanna read Proverbs 4, 23 over us. It says that above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. All right, you can take your hand down. Guard your heart. Now, there are many ways to be able to guard your heart. Lots of ways to protect your heart. And I would say one of the main ways that culture right now has learned, has been conditioned to guard our hearts is by means of hardening our heart. Not by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And listen, I get it. You've been disappointed enough times, hurt enough times, people been mean enough times. You brought that prayer to God again and again and again and you felt like he didn't do anything. The natural thing to do is to harden our hearts as a means of protection. The only issue is the more we harden our hearts, the more we actually close it off to every other beautiful thing in the world. Life loses its, its luster, its color, its, its, its joy. And so I'm, I'm believing today the proclamation of Ezekiel over us that God would take our hearts of stone and again give us a heart of flesh. It is not a weak thing in the kingdom of God to keep a tender heart. It is actually where power lies. Look at our great example, Christ himself, who had every uh, reason 
to harden his heart, to look down his nose, to lose compassion on just the ignorance of humanity. But we see he kept his heart soft and boy was his skin thick. Many of us have hardened our hearts, but softened our skin. And it's why many of us walk around in a perpetual state of being offended. Hardening hearts may feel like it protects for a while, but only the breastplate of righteousness will actually equip us to stand in a world that's trying to convince us. You better guard yourself. Don't guard yourself. Let the breastplate of Christ guard you. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about it. Thank God for experiences, but do not rely on them. You do not put on the breastplate of experiences. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is our protection in a world that seemingly is out to get us. So the question is, what is righteousness? Right, it's not a word we just throw around all the time like, man, I'm just, she is just so righteous. It's like, that's not, so I have a definition of righteousness for us. You can take a photo or um, it's in the, the app. Righteousness is right side up living that aligns with the expectations of God. As outlined in his word, confirmed by his spirit, and lived out by his son, Jesus. Take that in. Righteousness is right side up living. Right side up living. What is that? Well, for that, I gotta take us back to the coast of North Carolina. Come on, any coastal people out there? Myrtle Beach, Charleston, Hilton Head, I see you, some people in this room not raising your hands. You can take it to the hills. I'm taking it to the beach. That's fine. You do you. I don't understand the mountains. I get all sick. It's the coast for me. So I grew up on the coast of North Carolina, and um, one thing that we did a lot, I still try to do it when I go back with my mom, is we would go kayaking. And I still try to do it with her anytime I go home. Uh, and what we would do after we'd go kayaking is we haul that thing back up into the yard, and you flip it over. Because you gotta get all the water out, drain the water out before the next time you use it. The only issue is, before you use it the next time, you gotta turn it right side up. And I don't know about y'all, but the greatest form of spiritual warfare in my life may be to reach my hand into a dark space that I don't know what's under there and turn that thing back over. Because I don't mess with spiders and snakes and stuff. Y'all, some of y'all have them as pets and God bless. But it's the dampness and the darkness has created a perfect environment for those creepy, crawly, nasty things to just slither right on in. But in order to actually be able to use the kayak again, I gotta flip that thing over to expose it to get out what was in there so I can actually use the thing for the purpose that it was made for. And the longer I wait to turn that thing right side up, the harder it is to turn it right side up. And I'm telling you, the church right now is being called by God to take our lives and to turn it right side up before the Lord. Any hidden, dark sins that we are allowing to hide in the corners of our heart are just like that kayak, creating the perfect environment for the enemy to slither in and wreak absolute havoc on our lives. And it is time today, church, today, to take those things, to ask the Holy Spirit for the beautiful gift of conviction, to confess and repent and turn those things right side up and see if the enemy does not flee as we expose it to the light. The enemy may be many things, but he may parade like he has power, but I'm telling you, he is a coward, a coward. If you would take that sin, turn it right side up before God, see when the light is exposed, if he does not flee at the presence of light. And now is the time, y'all, 
to take the beautiful gift of confession and repentance, believe in it, turn it right side up before God and know that as I do, victory invades my life and the enemy has to flee in Jesus' name. Now, maybe some of you think that's all well and beautiful, but um, righteousness is hard. Just me? You know what I'm saying? Like when God says, be holy as I am holy, I'm like, like, just as? That sounds like an impossible standard for me to carry. We'll believe church on a Sunday like, I will, mm, I am ramped up. I feel full of community and the power of God. I'm going to go and live for the righteousness of the Lord everywhere I go. Then you walk out into the world and the world's like, shiny. Like everything's like, come here, do this, do this, do this, believe this. Here's this lie, here's this. And it's like almost crippling what it feels like the weight of righteousness is. So when it feels like the weight of righteousness is too much, how do I even achieve that standard? Well, let's bring it back to the belt. You know, the, the breastplate, even in um, the Roman soldier's uniform, would actually rest on the belt. Because if the breastplate just rested on the shoulder of the soldier, that it would actually, they would crumble under the weight of it. So they put on the belt, they would hook the breastplate to the belt so that the belt actually sustained the weight of the breastplate that they had to carry. So if anyone's feeling that heaviness today of like, I just feel like I cannot achieve the righteousness that God is calling me to walk in, let me pull out the belt and see if we cannot rest that weight on a piece of God's word today. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. <laughs> Come on with this. Everybody lean in and listen right here. Come on. The truth of the gospel is that through the cross of Jesus Christ, his life laid down, his blood poured out, his final breath offered, his death sacrificed, and his life raised up again. You and I don't have to earn a righteousness. We now simply get to receive it when we profess Jesus Christ as Lord. Righteousness is not meant to feel like a weight on your shoulders, but a gift in your hands. One time Lee McDermott looked at me, I was just feeling the weight of it all, man. And he looked at me and said, the only weight that you should feel on your shoulders is a robe of righteousness. And I said, that, I'll take that. Some of y'all have been walking around in such heaviness and shame, and I'm here to declare over you today, maybe the most important thing that you could hear is that when you receive Jesus Christ, the ultimate protection and lightness of your life is the reality that the purity of Christ, the mind of Christ, the pace of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the righteousness and holy of Christ now belongs to you. So when the enemy comes to you and says, God's standard is too high, you say, nope, that standard is my identity and I'm gonna walk in power. That is our inheritance. Christ purchased it. He laid his life down for it. He handcrafted it. And now he's just inviting your church. I'm just saying, wear it. It belongs to you. Just put on your breastplate. So now we're gonna pause and practice doing that together. So this prayer is gonna come up on the screen again. And just like before, you can take a photo, practice this in your week. But let me read this over us and then we'll take a few seconds. Father, thank you for what has been secured for me in Jesus. 
Remind me now of the righteousness I wear, that when you look at me, you only see the purity and holiness of Christ himself. Would you soften my heart, exposing any areas where I'm not living right side up with you? And as I go forward into my week, may I fight the right fight, knowing that victory belongs to you, Lord. So here's what we're going to do for the next few seconds. That prompt where it says, soften my heart, exposing any areas where I'm not living right side up with you. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart, reveal any of those dark and hidden spaces we talked about, and then for the boldness to turn it right side up in front of him. Let's take 30 seconds and do that together. Father, thank you that you want all of us. You don't ask for us to clean ourselves up before we come to you. Say, hey, just let me expose it and we will work it out together. Embolden my brothers and sisters now as you search our hearts and reveal things. May the work of conviction, confession, and repentance have its full cleansing power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, now, fully clothed in our belt, of truth and in our breastplate of righteousness. We're gonna end today like I told you we would at the beginning and I'm gonna invite everybody to take out your um, chalice, if you will. You should have gotten one of these as you walked in or it was on your seat. And like I said from the beginning, the Lord's Supper is not just an act of remembrance. It is actually a beautiful act of warfare where we are betting, reminding ourselves again of the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us and reminding ourselves of the righteousness that we wear because of him. And here's what's beautiful about this. The act of warfare thing, I believe that comes from uh, the Psalms where it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. How offensive is it, is, is it to the enemy when y'all are in the middle of a fight and you sit down to eat? He's like, let's go. And I'm like, nah, I gotta, God made a table for me. I just gotta sit down real quick. There's some wine. He just turned it from water. I just gotta. Participating in this together as a church reminds us of the unity that we have and the weakness that the enemy has. As we raise a glass and cheers to the victory of God, we remind the enemy of the defeat that he inherits and the victory that we inherit. This is a perpetual victory feast that we are about to participate in. So we're gonna pause and practice this together. Remembering this is gonna come up on the screen again. So you can go ahead and open um, the portion with your, with your bread, if you will. So everybody just raise this bread up with me. This is a victory stance right here. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you made. As I take this bread, remind me of the truth of what you have done for me. Remind me that victory belongs to me because I belong to you. Father, help me to plant my feet in the truth, standing firm, believing your word and claiming the power of Jesus Christ so that I may see the victory of the Lord. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Do it now in remembrance of him.
beautiful. You can now open your cup. You already know what we're about to do. Lift that goblet up like you just won a game. Some of y'all never played sports. Welcome to the victory. Let me read this for us. Man, I mean this, Jesus. I want to be like you. Someone of consistent presence, persistent prayer, lavish love, and convictions of steel. As I take this cup, I remember that is exactly who I am. Righteousness is my identity. I praise you, Jesus, knowing that nothing done in your name is ever done in vain. The battle belongs to you, Lord. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. Do this now in remembrance of him. And all God's people said, amen. In a second, we're going to sing together. But here's what I really feel like we need to do to end our day. We didn't even plan this today. It just kind of happened uh, in the 915. And I believe we need to do it again here in the 1115. If you're a part of our ministry teams, our prayer teams, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and come forward at every campus. And I'm telling you all, there's some people in the room today. As we paused and we practiced, a few things may have been revealed to you. One, maybe a dark part of your heart was revealed and you felt your heart rate quicken. And and you know, I've got to confess this, I've got to repent, but I need help. Come and receive prayer from the body of Christ today. This is what the church is for, that if you don't feel like you have power to stand on your own, that the church, the family of God comes around you and we stand together. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but as we just talked about what righteousness was, the lightness that it was, what was purchased for you, the Holy Spirit whispered to you for the first time and said, it's time, come home. Will you come forward and talk to someone and pray with them? And listen, if you just need help in general, I didn't list your thing. You're just like, I gotta go forward and get prayer, y'all. This is what the church does. This is an ancient way of warfare that it's time to pick up again, amen? So every canvas, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray over us and then we're gonna sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then the last thing before I pray, but I have to say this. I know the spirit of discouragement in the world right now. I know that the enemy's trying to convince us that we need something else additional to the blood of Jesus Christ to be able to win and to be able to stand. But let me tell you something, the blood of Jesus Christ still works. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ works. You could try to add to it. You could try to to manipulate something else around it. But I'm telling you, in Christ alone will we be able to stand till the day when the clouds part, he returns and takes us home again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, y'all. This is it. This is it. May we come back to this beautiful, ancient simplicity and believe it with full faith again. So I'm gonna pray and as soon as I say amen, we're gonna sing but also move and receive prayer. Father, thank you for the victory that belongs to us in Jesus Christ. I pray right now that you would impart boldness to the room, both right now to respond if they need prayer, but also as they go into their week. God, make us bold. Help us to pick up the ancient ways again, to read our Bibles, to pray, to intercede, to fast, to have community, to confess, to repent, to walk in humility. God, where it's change us. We need your help, Holy Spirit. We declare out loud the time is done. We're not playing games anymore. We need you. We don't want to be nice Christian guys and girls. We want to be emboldened disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Our legacy of faith in Hebrews 11, who faced lions, who faced persecution, who faced starvation, who faced getting exiled on islands, God, that is our faith legacy imparted again into this church, into this room, God. I'm speaking with desperation because we're desperate. We need you, Holy Spirit. Chase apathy out of our lives. Chase hidden sins out of our lives. Chase, God, the the racism out of our lives. Chase, God, the, the pride out of our hearts, God. Chase just anything that does not look like Jesus so that we may receive the fullness of who you are, God. We're asking, move now in this room. Move. Move, please, Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that joy would be the banner over us as we leave this today, looking starkly different than the rest of the world. And when they ask us what what it is, we'll say, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.